Cool. So we're going to go ahead and get into what we're going to talk about tonight. My Bible should be back there. Uh, if somebody can grab that for me, thanks. So we are starting a new series. Uh, can anybody, it's on the screen, but can anybody tell me what the title of the series is? Hashtag trending. Sweet. So um, if uh, no doubt, those of you who, uh, you, if you are in school or if you have a phone or social media or whatever it may be, you are being just overwhelmed by topics and conversations about things that, if we're honest, as Christians, can be very difficult to, one, have those conversations, but it can also be difficult for us to answer certain questions. Um, and one of the reasons that can be difficult to answer those questions is I wanted to kind of just give you a little bit of an understanding about something that I shared with you a few we- a couple of weeks ago, but I also shared, thank you, uh, <laughs> There, you, there we go, I got you. Uh, it, I also shared this uh, with CYP on Sunday night, and I think it was a really good thing for us to kind of preface uh, um, our conversation tonight with this. So there's two ways of looking at the world, okay? There is something called a secular view. There's something called a biblical view. Now, when I say secular, what I mean is, I mean worldly, right? So, so when you look at the world and you look at the universe, everyone, a secular view says that there is one basic element in the universe, the primary element of the universe is mankind, right? So what we have is is we start with mankind, mankind's needs, wants, goals, and from there, we interpret the world around us, right? So everything that is good is because it aligns with our needs, our goals, and our wants. And everything that is bad is because it does not align with our goals, our needs, and our wants. So on the flip side, you have something called a biblical worldview. Now, a biblical worldview also has a starting point, right? It also has that basic starting point. But instead of mankind being that inerrant beginning of all things, that it's God. And what happens is it starts with God and God's purposes, God's will, and God's goals. And then from there, it interprets the world around it, right? So with that, we have to see everything that is bad is because it doesn't align with God's will and God's design and God's purpose. Everything that is good is because it does align with God's will, God's goals, and God's purposes. You see what I'm trying to say? And the reason that it can be difficult for us as Christians to communicate certain things is because we are speaking from a biblical worldview to people who are thinking in a secular worldview. So you have two people who maybe are looking at the same topic, and they are coming to two drastically different conclusions. And what we're going to try and do tonight is be able to answer these questions from a biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview on these topics? Does that make sense? Cool beans. So we also, we have the awesome opportunity of having Pastor Allen and Pastor Ethan uh, with us tonight. Yeah. So, so we're going to open, for, first of all, thank you guys for being here. We really appreciate that. Um, and what we're going to do is we're going to open with some questions that we got over Instagram. If you follow us on Instagram. Uh, we put a story, we put some out on our story where you guys could ask some questions. So we're going to kind of uh, tackle some of those. And then after that, we have a microphone that's going to get passed around for you guys to be able to ask questions. Does that make sense? Cool beans. What's up, Brandon? You had your hand raised? Oh, yeah. Oh, Brandon has the microphone. Cool. Okay, no, you're good. All right. So here we go. All right. So. As Christians, so some of these are asked more in the, in the format of a topic. So, uh, so as Christians, what should our views be on profanity? And how far 
should we be willing to go with the way that we speak? All right. Uh, well, so let's go to the second part first. Uh, how far should we be willing to go? I think it's probably the wrong question. Uh, we shouldn't be asking how close to the line can we get, um, but instead, how far can we stay from it, right? Um, so uh, Paul says not to let any unwholesome speech uh, come from your lips, uh, which I take that to mean profanity, right? Um, or things that are profane. So that goes even beyond just like, you know, dropping some cuss words. But uh, the things we laugh at, the, the jokes we tell, uh, all of that. Um, and really, that's it's not just to be fuddy-duddy or to kill your fun or your joy or whatever, right? But really, it's to increase your joy. Uh, it's, it's to maximize. That's what uh, those commands are there, um, whether it be here or in other places that we look in Scripture. They're there. Uh, not to kind of keep you in this lane from having any fun, uh, but really to keep you from driving your car off the road and killing yourself, right? Uh, so whenever I drive, you know, Pastor Mike was just in the mountains. When I drive through the mountains, um, I don't say, hey, how close to that line can I get to the edge of the cliff, right? Uh, I say, hey, I want to stay as far away from it as I can so that I don't kill myself. Um, and so I think that's kind of the, the mindset we need to have. Um, so short answer is uh, don't say bad words. Yeah, and, and let me just kind of reiterate, you know, Paul does say, you know, make sure that what you're saying edifies, builds up, doesn't tear down, right? Uh, there are two types of people in the world, those who build up and those who tear down. And so be a part of the building crew, not the wrecking crew. But think about it this way. Okay, understand this. The Bible says that every idle word will be judged. So how many of you have said something to somebody that you wouldn't want your parents to hear? Okay, so some of you all, the rest of you are liars, okay? Center, center. <laughs> those of you, those of you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar, okay? Uh, either that or you're like, it was like this, you didn't see it. Um, so why wouldn't you want to say it in front of your parents? Because it would probably be offensive to them, right? They would get upset, they would, they would, you maybe would get in trouble, right? Do you understand that every word you say, God hears? Every word. Think about this. If all that you said in a single day without a word left out was written down in plain black and white would make strange reading, no doubt, wouldn't it? It's a little poem, an old poem. Do you imagine like if everything you said was just kind of written out and you saw the transcript of it? It probably would make you cringe. God hears and knows everything you say. Again, language is a man-made thing. And so things that we call cuss words, profanity, you might say, well, you know, this was a cuss word in our day, but there are some things like you could say in our language that in like another language isn't cuss words. Like if you go to England, you could say one particular word and we'd hear it here and like, that's nothing wrong. You know, like baked beans, what's wrong with baked beans? But you go to another country and like baked beans are like saying the F word, you know? And so a lot of it has to do also with your conscience. And so if your conscience bothers you, if you know in your heart you shouldn't do something, don't do it. And so, but a lot of us, and I'm going to, like, I'm around a lot of, I was around athletes, I'm sure you're around people at school, and they just say stuff, it's like crazy town. When I'm in the Middle East, when I go and I talk to people like in, in Iraq and in, in like Egypt and, and other people, they, they learn English by watching television. And so they just say the they just cuss like randomly. They don't have really understanding. And and I asked them, why do you say so much profanity? 
And they said, well, that's how we learned English. And how'd you learn English? I learned it by watching TV. <laughs> and so these little things that we get sucked into our brain, we just think it's normal. And so for me, I used to have a cussing problem growing up. I really did. And, and I got really convicted about it. And so, I mean, yeah, I was a pastor's kid, but I had a mouth like a sailor, okay? You know, I'd make them blush. And so I just asked God to help me and to think through those things. And I would say the same thing with you. If you struggle with saying things you shouldn't, ask God to help you, give you grace, give you strength to do that. But listen, it's a real deal. And the other thing, too, cussing always makes you sound dumb. It just does, right? Profanity just kind of makes you sound dumb. So don't do it. And I think, uh, just to briefly add on to that, I think that there's something to be said about self-control when you speak. Um, that anytime you are not in control of what you are saying, um, then it should be a red light in your mind, in your brain, right? I mean, we think of the fruit of the Spirit. One of those is self-control, right? Um, so, um, well, obviously we can get to the, you know, the biblical reasons, the spiritual reasons, and the moral reasons why we should avoid certain words. But I think there's also the idea of just being in control of what you're saying. Right. Because I think a lot of times we may, you know, when we cuss or something, it, we're not, like, intentionally trying to do it, you know. Um, but I think, you know, it's something that we should keep in mind. So and, and one thought that's really, really good. Jesus said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's in, hear what comes out. Definitely. Cool. So another question. Uh, this is a question that statistically uh, – a good majority of you in this room have either dealt with personally or you know people who deal with this. Um, how should a Christian handle someone who is struggling with suicide? Or even if a Christian is like someone else, like they personally are struggling with suicide, what, how can they approach that? I'll, do, I'll start with this one. So if you in the room uh, have ever had suicidal thoughts, or ever so depressed that you feel that way, understand this, you're not alone. And you're also not alone among biblical heroes. Um, some of you maybe heard of a guy named Elijah. Elijah got so depressed that he asked God to kill him. Uh, Jonah, uh, you remember Jonah in the, in the well? He got so upset, he asked God to kill him too. Uh, there are others in the Bible, if you read, that they're crying out to God and and they're, they're sounding, at least as you read, somewhat suicidal. Um, if that's you, um, talk to somebody. Let, let us know. Um, don't just hold that in. Um, it's not cool to commit suicide. It's not. Uh, I don't care what, what is it, 13? 13 reasons why. You know, don't, don't buy into that. It's a permanent solution to a potentially temporary problem. And so if you're struggling, you're not alone. There's hope in Christ. Um, but but talk to somebody. And don't, you know, if you're really feeling those thoughts, talk to somebody. Don't, don't feel ashamed, okay? Because, again, you're not alone. You're not a horrible person because you feel this way. Just there, there's something maybe there. And so please just reach out to somebody. Reach out to an adult. Tell your mom and dad. Tell somebody that you trust. And, and if someone comes to you and and tells you they have these thoughts, I always take them seriously. And so you should too. So if someone, if you're one of your friends says, oh, I'm in confidence, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm going to kill myself, 
if, if you're a really good friend, you need to talk to an adult. You need to talk to somebody else and say, hey, my friend just told me this. Um, just, you know, nobody wants to be a, a rat or lose confidentiality, but please, very serious talk. Yeah. Um, so suicidal thoughts um, at their core are satanic, right? Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He's a thief. He's a liar. He's an accuser. Um, and so uh, that those thoughts, um, those those actions, whatever it may be, right? That's not that's not from the Lord. That's not um, that that's not a solution, right? Like Pastor Allen said, it's a permanent solution to a potentially temporary problem. And so I would say one, if you're struggling with that, like if you've had those thoughts, well then talk to someone. Now maybe maybe you're on the other side, right? Maybe uh, maybe you have a friend or a family member um, who either has suicidal thoughts. Maybe you have a friend or a family member who's committed suicide. Um, the The first funeral that I did as a pastor was for my wife's first cousin. His name was Glenn. Um, Glenn had he'd been in um, like something like fourteen car accidents. Like he had he had tattoos all over. So he had a tattoo on this arm. It was supposed to say diesel, but they got the I and the E mixed up, and so it said diesel. Uh, and uh, on this arm, he had um, uh, a flat line because he had flatlined like three times on the table. Um, Glenn was in chronic pain. Um, his wife divorced him, took his kids, and so he, he, he decided his only way out was suicide. Um, and it wrecked his family. It has wrecked his family. And so maybe, maybe you're dealing on that side. Right? Maybe you're dealing with, hey, I have a family member who's committed suicide. I, I, I've got a friend who's committed suicide or who's attempted or whatever it may be. Um, one, know that you're not alone in that either. Right? There are people who have walked through that, who are walking through that. Um, and know that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted, is what the psalmist says. Um, and so uh, you don't have to feel alone in that. You don't have to walk through that alone. That's why, that's why Pastor Mike's here. That's why Central is here, uh, is to walk walk with you through those things. So. I would just say, uh, if you're on that side of it, um, know that you're not alone there. Absolutely. So uh, the next one is a very interesting one. And I think this is something that uh, if you live long enough, you probably have been at this point. So um, as Christians, you know, we're supposed to reach out to people who are not Christians, right? I mean, if, you know, share the gospel with people, build relationships. Um, but this question says, at what point do you need to cut off toxic people? Yep. All right. Uh, so first, we've got to define toxic, right? So what does it mean to be a toxic person? Uh, what is it? How, how do you identify uh, a, toxic per, a toxic person? Um, and uh, there, there's part of me, when I hear that question, or there's something behind that question, right? So uh, whoever asked that question, or maybe several of you asked that question, I don't know what it is. Uh, you're dealing with someone in your life who who you feel like is toxic, um, and so then we so we've got to ask, what is a toxic person, and then who is that person, right? So is this a a mother or a father, right? Is this a a friend or a former friend, or is this a brother? Who is that person? Um, I would say that um, this is me like spitballing here off the fly um, that. Uh, Cutting off a toxic person, um, when is it time to do that? 
Uh, well, I think it's time to do that whenever you're constantly finding yourself sinning when you're around them, right? And so I, I don't mean like, you know, they're leading you to sin, but you're constantly thinking, man, I, I hate this person or whatever it may be. Um, it, it may be time to step away and, and cutting them off. That doesn't mean forever, right? Uh, uh, you're free to cut them off forever when Jesus cuts you off forever, right? Uh, uh, blessed are the peacemakers. Uh, and so uh, y- we, we're never free to just cut people off forever. Uh, but there is a time where we take a step back and, and we pray for them or we pray for ourselves, right? Um, and so I would say that time is whenever you find yourself constantly sinning, constantly just feeling beat down, right, whatever it may be, um, then that's the time. That answer might not be helpful for you at all. Uh, and so if that's you, you're saying that answer wasn't helpful for me at all, Pastor Allen's going to clear it up for you. All right? <laughs> Go for it. So toxic people tend to be very selfish people, very narcissistic. I don't know if you're familiar with that word, but very self-focused. And, and because of that, they tend to make everything about them. And so everything about them, the world revolves around them. That's just typically what you find in toxic people. And then also toxic people can lead you to do things that you know you're not supposed to. So part of it, like, Jesus was a friend of sinners, right? Jesus had relationships with people that were sinful because everybody he had a relationship with on earth was sinful. Um, Jesus had a reputation of being around people that nobody else wanted to be around, okay? So I'm not telling you not to do that. But if you are in a relationship with somebody who is pulling you away from Christ, like if you go into a relationship, for example, if you're a Christian, you should never date somebody who is not a Christian. Period. Never get into a relationship like that with somebody who's not a believer because they will often pull you away. Rarely do you pull them towards Christ. Rarely. It can happen. Don't ever get into a relationship trying to be a missionary, okay? Because you end up being a shipwreck. But if you're in a relationship with someone and they are pulling you away from Christ, then you have to, re- you have to just say, you know what? This is not healthy. It's not, I'm being divided. It doesn't mean you can't love them. It doesn't mean you can't point them to Christ. But you just may have to separate yourself from them. And you may not need to be in a, that type of relationship with them. Um, Sometimes the most loving thing you can do to somebody is to kind of let them go and tell them why. But toxic people tend to be very self-centered, very narcissistic, all about them, and so they don't like to let you go. Does that make sense? And so it's going to be hard. Uh, But, again, um, John Owen said, be killing sin before sin be killing you. Deal with these relationships that are causing you to sin. Yeah, I, I think, too, there's a wisdom issue here, right? So uh, James 1 says, you who lack wisdom, pray, and the Lord will give it to you. So pray and ask the Lord for wisdom. Right. Um, and then, um, yeah. And then Psalm 1 says, blessed is the man who doesn't. Yeah. yeah, I think you could go back, too, to what Pastor Allen said earlier about your conscience. So if you've been redeemed, right, if, you were, if you've been saved, if you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you, uh, then uh, the Holy Spirit, right, he, he's using your conscience. Uh, so if your conscience is telling you, uh, and it may just be the Holy Spirit telling you, yeah. hey, you need to step away from this person, well, then listen to that. Yeah. 
and I, I just can't, I mean, I don't know if we're going to get on dating, but the, I just cannot reiterate, don't date somebody that doesn't love Jesus. And you may say, well, man, he's hot. Well, so is hell, you know? <laughs> so is hell. Don't, just don't do it. Uh, you know, be their friend, point them to Jesus. They get saved, we'll baptize them Sunday, and then maybe we'll talk about it. But, <laughs> just kidding. Um, but don't do it. Just please, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Tell him. Period. All right. So, here's, yes. uh, here's one that is definitely a hot button issue in our culture today. Um, so how do you deal with your brother and sisters in Christ who show racism towards you? Okay. You see the pattern here. This is the pattern. Yeah. Um, if you read Galatians 2, um, Paul, who is kind of a newer Christian, is going to call out another Christian named Peter because Peter was racist. Okay, Peter... When, for example, if you read the story, so like there was a kind of a racism between Jews and Gentiles. You all on the same page with me? Jews and Gentiles. And for history, they don't like each other. Well, when Peter was with Paul in this town called Antioch, he was hanging out with Gentiles, eating with them and having a great time with them. And then um, these Jewish people came up to check on what was going on there. And when Peter saw these Jews coming up, he just completely disassociated himself with Gentiles and kind of treated them differently. So, and, and so Paul calls him out publicly. Like, this is Peter, okay? Like, this is the guy on the day of Pentecost. Peter, this is Peter, okay? And Paul says, listen, you're not in step with the truth. He called him out. We are all prone to... We're all sinners, and we're all of us struggle with some form of inferiority or superiority. And we're all prone to some sort of racial, uh, to, to allow our race, or and, and to be honest with you, there's only one race, a human race. So what we're talking about is ethnicities and skin pigmentation and culture. Okay, that's all we're talking about. And in history, there have been, there's been a history, uh, especially in, in America, of Oppression, injustice against African Americans, no doubt. And there is, even within us, these amoebas of pride and superiority and racism that we all have to fight and all have to fight against. And so um, I think that if a brother or sister is being racist, to use that word, and we have to be careful with that too, but if they are being unjust or hypocritical, then I think in love you should come to them and say, like Paul did, and say, hey, you're not walking with the truth here. You hurt me. On the other side, I think that the best thing we can do, one of the things I'm trying to do, is to just have real conversations with people that are different than me. You know, there's, there's four things that, that, I'm, that I'm doing actively when it comes to, to race. Uh, one is acknowledge what I don't understand. Uh, and, and I don't understand what it's like to be an African American who has gone through even what they're going through today. The, the hurt, the pain. You know, today with George Floyd verdict, there's a lot of hurt. Okay, And we may laugh it off. Or we may hear our parents say that's something. 
but there's hurt. There's hurt there. Um, and so it's best to acknowledge what you don't understand. Second thing is admit what you do understand. Do understand, hey, I struggle with having feelings of superiority, or I struggle with this. Admit what you do understand. And, and then, um, and then uh, advocate. Find ways to not, don't, don't just be a part of the moment. Be a part of the solution. Do something. And what I mean there is not just picket signs and putting on t-shirts and doing. It's actively trying to engage and love people that are different than you. And so if you can do those things, if you can, if you can acknowledge what you don't understand, admit what you do understand, and then look to activate and advocate for other people. That that's what I'm trying to do. And 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 if you've been hurt, and there's probably people in this room or people you know that have been hurt by other people, the best thing you can do for anybody that hurts you, regardless of whether it's race or whether somebody calls you a name or anything, the best thing you can do for them is to pray for them. Here's why. When you pray for somebody, it's hard to be critical of them. And there are times you need to speak the truth, and you need to speak the truth with love. And I'm not saying you should just take it and just take it. Never. We're speak the truth in love. But the best thing you can do for somebody that's hurt you is to pray for them. Because what prayer does is it just changes. It's hard to criticize somebody you're praying for. I may have just said that. And when you pray for them, it changes things. Does that make sense? Is that helpful, I hope? Yeah, so I think first let's acknowledge uh, something pretty obvious, right? I'm a, a white guy from North Florida, which is basically South Georgia. Uh, Pastor Allen, white guy from Somerset, Kentucky, right? Uh, he and I have not experienced loads of racism in our life, right? Let's just be honest. Um, and so, like, how do we, uh, we, he and I, uh, we don't feel the pain and the hurt that this conversation brings um, to some of you or to some of the people that you know. Uh, and so, when I, when I heard that question, what, what I'm asking myself is, okay, uh, how would I, if I, let's say that, that I unintentionally um, made a racist remark or something like that, how would I want to be dealt with? Or, or what would be most effective in dealing with me? Uh, and so I think of a, a couple of things. Um, so Paul says to bear with one another in love. Uh, Jesus says you'll know they they will know that you are my disciples by the way that you anyone know love one another. Right. First uh, Corinthians thirteen says that love is patient and love is kind. Um, and so uh, I think that the way that you address that uh, that brother or that sister um, who has wronged you uh, is by being patient and by being kind, right? Uh, it's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance, uh, is what Paul says in Romans. And so um, you go to that brother, you go to that sister, and you go with kindness, right? Uh, so uh, let's see, um, and this is this is also Matthew 18, right? So you're going to go to them privately one-on-one -on -one because it, it's not going to do you any good. Let's say that, that Mike offends me, right? Uh, let, let's say that Mike, calls me a big doo-doo head or something, right? 
Uh, not, he does. Yeah, uh, yeah I know he does. It, you know, I know yeah, he does. I and I hate him, know, all right? You know. I hate him. You can tweet that, all right? Uh, uh, I, I'm just playing. I don't hate him. Please hashtag don't joking. Yeah, please. Hashtag not trending, all right? Um, so uh, what's going to be most effective in that moment is not for me to go, no, you know what, Mike? You are a big stupid face, right? And, and say and it is. where everyone, which, yeah, yeah obviously, is. right? Yeah. We'll talk later. Um, uh What's going to be most effective in that moment for uh, for mine and Mike's relationship is for me to take Mike off to the side or at the right point and to say, hey, man, like, I don't know if you meant to do this or not, but this is what you just said. Uh, and let me tell you uh, what that did to me. Right. Or, or let me tell you what that means. And, and James, the book of James says uh, that uh, if he listens, you've won a brother. I think or is that Galatians? Is that James or James. Right, we'll yeah, say James. 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 James 5, right? Uh, he, you, you've won a brother. Uh, if he doesn't listen to you, if he says, no, you're just being too sensitive, well, then you go and, and you get a couple others to go with you, right? And, and Matthew to confront 18. Him. This is Matthew 18, right? Um, and, and so you go, you go with kindness, but then you've got to go with patience, right? You've got to go with patience knowing that, you know what? He's probably going to offend me again, right? Um, because old habits die hard, right? And, and some, I'll be completely honest with you, there are things that I have said before, and I've had, um, I've got a guy named Scott Long, uh, who is my, Scott, Scott's a black dude, um, I'm a white guy, we are completely opposite in every way, all right? Scott is like six foot five, played wide receiver for the University of Louisville Cardinals, uh, Cards, Praying right? For it. <laughs> uh, he played uh, one season for the San Francisco 49ers. Um, so, big athletic dude. I, uh, most people probably wouldn't characterize me as like big and athletic, right? Ridiculously good looking, body of a Greek god, but just a little different, right? Um, and so. Hashtag no. <laughs> yeah. yeah uh, hey. But mama said no. Um, so, uh, Scott, there have been there there was a time in mine and Scott's relationship where Scott came to me and he said, "Hey man, I don't think that you realize what you're doing, but whenever you say this, it doesn't offend me because I know your heart, I know you, but if you say that in front of the wrong person, that's going to offend them. And let me tell you why." Uh, and so Scott came to me with kindness. He came to me in private, and he came to me with patience. And so I think that those are important things for having these kind of conversations because these are hot painful conversations and life in community is painful right um and it hurts and it's messy and absolutely all right well that was that's that's good all right so um here's another one that is i think something that is extremely relatable to a lot of people what does the bible say and this could be a pretty there's a lot that you could say to this, but what does the Bible say about divorce and marriage? So, yeah. Uh, so, first off, um, I am free to divorce my wife when Jesus divorces his. Right? Uh, and Jesus is not going to leave his church. Um, so that's kind of, that's where I come from, right? That That's where I'm operating. Now, uh, there are instances in the Bible, right, where I think, and to be honest, this is a place where we can come at this in different, like, they're good brothers. I've got good friends who disagree with me on this, 
They're wrong, right? But I still love them. Uh, so I, there are instances in the Bible where I think that the Bible says, hey, this is a biblical reason for divorce, right? Uh, now, similar to that race conversation we just had, uh, 50% of marriages in America end in divorce. Uh, so your family has probably been touched by divorce in some way. My family has been touched by Both of my parents were married uh, before uh, they were married to one another. Both of my parents have been divorced, um, and uh, then they were remarried. And so I, I believe uh, that there are biblical reasons for divorce, and that would be um, like desertion. Uh, so if a wife leaves a husband or if a husband leaves a wife, um, if there's abuse happening in that relationship, uh, then I believe that is biblical grounds for divorce and a butt whooping if you're a dude, right? Um, and uh, so there are biblical grounds for divorce, uh, which then I think lead to opportunities for uh, biblical remarriage. Um, but I think this conversation needs a lot of grace, a lot of patience. And and, and also adultery would be another reason. Yeah, and that's what abandoned, but that's yeah. abandonment. Abandonment, that's what, adultery, That's what I meant, yeah, abuse. adultery, yeah. And the so good the, news is, is on um, on May the sixteenth, I'm preaching an entire message on divorce, and so and remarriage, and when it's good, when it's not according to Jesus, not according to man, um, and so I'll kind of leave it there. Absolutely, and I think another thing too, if you're a, a student, right, if you're a kid and your parents are going through divorce, um, it can be hard, but I think grace to your parents in that situation is something that. You know, I mean, obviously, I, I, I know that that's something that's hard and it's hurtful, um, you know, but I want to tell you, because I think there's a lot of area in there, too, right, for, for Satan to get in there and to just weave lies into your head, right? Um, one, um, don't believe the lies, um, but two, I would say, you know, what is the most, what could be more like Jesus than to lovingly, um, than to love someone while? they may be hurting you, right? And they may not intentionally be trying to hurt you, but lovingly showing grace while while enduring that, I think is one of the most incredible ways that you can actually show the gospel to somebody uh, in that. So um, that is a great question. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with one more on here, and then we're going to open it up for, for you all to be able to ask questions. Brandon's got the microphone. So when someone expects you to use pronouns for their chosen gender, how should you respond? Did you listen to the sermon on Sunday? I hope you did. So, um, you're like, I didn't even know who you were till today. So, anyway. Um, Funny because it's true. Yeah. So, um, ten years ago, this was not an issue. Okay, so ten years ago, you some of you were like six or seven, or eight, or for some of you in the room, like 42. <laughs> Man, why you got to pick on Jay like that? Come on. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, um, think about it this way. Ten years ago, 0.01% of Americans consider themselves transgender. 0.01%. Okay. Today, uh, 2% of high school students in America classify themselves as being transgendered or non-binary. You guys have heard of these terms, I'm assuming, non-binary or cisgender. Cisgender means that you are one 
a, either a male or a female. Non-binary means that you don't see yourself as male or female. And then you have the litany list of different things. Um, one is um, in certain settings like school or work, you're gonna in, you're gonna encounter people that want to use. They want you when you refer to them um, by their particular pronouns. Uh, often people that are uh, transgendered or non-binary or something else use the pronouns they or them. Um, there's also other ones like, anyway. Um, one is, it kind of happens in pockets. I don't think everybody's that way. Like, I don't ever want to get to the place where you meet somebody and you say, hello, my name is Alan, and my preferred pronouns are he and him. I don't ever want to get to that place. But I think you're going to have some settings that actually may be the place. I know some work settings, like outside the door or even on their badge, it says preferred pronouns. Should we as believers uh, acknowledge those things? You know, look, um, the gospel is offensive enough. So I try my hardest, and I struggle. I, I, I'm a sinner. To not be overtly offensive. So if someone comes up to me and says, I prefer to be this or that, um, I don't really want to do that. Uh, I don't really know how to handle that completely. Uh, I don't also want to be immediately disrespectful. And so what I typically try to do, because I've had this, is that I don't really refer that to them in a pronoun form. I just call them by their name. Does that make sense? Uh, instead of saying, hey, them, I mean, hey, you. Uh, say, hey, Joe, or hey, Jill, uh, or whatever. Um, now, if I don't know their name, you know, hey, y'all, or whatever, <laughs> I'm not really quite sure. But to be honest with you, you're not necessarily compromising or tolerating sin if you call them by their particular pronoun. You've got to be careful, but I think that if you just immediately not just dismiss them, they're not ever going to listen. Does that make sense? And so I don't think that we ever want to condone or compromise with something that the scripture teaches. There's, you're either a male or a female unless you're born with a specific condition called intersex, which is you have XX, XY chromosomes or your plumbing is both or whatever. Um, but that's a thousand Americans a year are born with that. Uh, and it has a, a wide spectrum of what that looks like. And so you're either a male or a female. We know that biblically because that's the way God designed it. And broken, and this world is broken because men and women decide to go their own way rather than God's way. And so I think that if, if I am a missionary, which all of you are, if you're Christian, then I want to, part of being a missionary is understanding their culture. And I think that if you come in there immediately dismissive of that culture, you may... Win the argument, but lose the audience. Does that make sense? And so, be very careful. If, you're, if your conscience bothers you and you cannot do it, then just do what I say. Just call them by their name. If they don't like that, then I don't know what you do. Um, if your conscience doesn't bother you, do it. Just, 
they but also be honest with them and say, look, I that's not what I believe, but out of respect for you, this is what I believe. It's tricky, and to be honest with you, like I said, ten years ago, we never thought about this. Five years ago, we probably wouldn't have thought too much about this. It's really been in the past two years that this has really become an issue. And I, I, I know I'm going a little long here, but I, I did read a lot on this this past week, so let me get a little bit of it more out. Some of you have seen, like for me, you know, I grew up, I was born in the 80s, so I was in high school in the, in the late 90s. The big thing that a lot of people were doing at that time was anorexia bulimia. There's, that's still even going on today. And if you don't know what anorexia bulimia is, it's when you either starve yourself uh, or you eat a bunch of food and vomit it out. And that still goes on today. And, so, and it's, a, it's a very sad condition. There's people in bondage to that. You have people that are just, most of them are, one of my really good friends, I mean, she she was this way. She looked in the mirror, she was so skinny and so beautiful, and she thought she was fat. You know, she thought she was ugly. And it's the lies that you tell yourself. And so you had you had typically a lot of, a group of girls uh, that all of them they had this rapid onset bulimia, which all of them just started eating a bunch of food and then bombing in it, and then it was became kind of this eating disorder, and that was kind of the thing in the '90s. And then if you kind of follow along the track, the, the next thing was cutting, and even some of this, like all these things are still going on today. But then it was like in the in the 2000s, and then the, like the 2010s. You have, and, and seriously, a lot of it had to do with, with girls, but even guys would do cutting. And maybe some of you have, have gone through that and in the bondage of that. Now it seems like today it's it's this gender dysphoria, this I, I don't feel comfortable in my body, I don't like myself, and so therefore I must be another gender. And so you, you kind of see a pattern here. In the 90s, I hate how I look. It's self-image. Therefore, I want to do this. I get caught in the bondage. In the early 2000s, you had people cutting because I hate myself. I want to feel pain. Now you're seeing this. And what it is, it's all about believing a lie, okay? Satan is a liar. We're liars. And it's believing a lie about yourself. Because if, if you can believe a lie, then Satan's got you defeated. Does that, does that make sense? And so if you're struggling with that, and I have no doubt in my, in my, in my mind that you, with the many kids that we have here, that some of you are struggling with self-image issues hate yourself, you hate your body, you hate how you look, you, you hate certain things, you wish you were skinnier, you wish you were bigger, you wish you were taller, you wish you were stronger, you know, I wish I had hair, you know, um, and so don't leave, don't believe the lies, Jesus loves you for you, you don't need to be anything else for Jesus to love you, and one day, I promise you, statistically, unless you just don't want to get married, somebody else is going to find you attractive as well. And so just hold out hope unless God has a better purpose for you to be single for for his kingdom. And so don't listen to the lies of Satan. I know that wasn't the question, but just don't do it. And if you are struggling with it, please let us know. We want to help you. Amen. Yep. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, and just one uh, quick thing, too. Um, so we actually... Um, uh, had you know for our college and young professionals group we've had uh, we've had a, a few people come in that are you know transgender and um, which puts me in a situation right so uh, so there's there's one time where it was uh, she was a female transitioning to be a male and 
I asked, hey, you know, what's your name? And they told me a boy's name. Um, and I did not say, no, what's your real name? Uh, I did not do that, right? Uh, don't. No. Please don't. Like, uh, so what it is, like, you told me this name. That is the name you told me. I'm going to call you that because I have no other reason not to. You know what I'm trying to say? Um, so, you know, so I think that that's something, it's, it's, again, showing grace. So, all right, so uh, we're going to open it up for you all to ask questions. Here's another thing I want to say. Um, one, do not be afraid to ask questions because if you are thinking it, chances are so is somebody else, right? And also, um, if somebody asks a question and maybe it doesn't come out clearly, we want to be respectful. Uh, and not, you know, laugh or anything like that. We will be respectful of everybody's questions. So does anybody have a question that they would like to ask? You could raise your hand. Uh, all right. Right Aiden, under your front. Go for it. As Brandon awkwardly walks up to you and sanitizes the microphone. Um, so what are some attributes of a godly man? All right. Uh, well... His name so, is Ethan? Yeah, that's right. Uh, <laughs> Ethan, he's... He uh, wears a blue jacket. That's right. <laughs> Drives a blue truck. Um, uh, so, what are some attributes of a godly man? I don't know if y'all heard that. Uh, so, I would say uh, a godly man is... Uh, has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Right? Fruits of the Spirit. Um, I would say that a godly man uh, um, sacrifices... Right. Uh, so, um, what is love? Uh, maybe you've heard that song. What is love? love Baby, don't hurt me. me. Right. Maybe that. Yeah. Uh, so, a guy named Paul Tripp says that love um, is willing self-sacrifice for the redemptive good of another. Um, so, if uh, a godly man is a man who loves, um, and that means that you are willing to sacrifice uh, for the good of another person. Um, so men should be the first to sacrifice. Godly men should be the first to sacrifice, the first to serve, um, the, the first to, uh, to lead um, with servant leadership. The, um, and uh, yeah, so those are a few. Boys are selfish. Yeah, yeah here's, here's the thing. Here, here's the thing, right? So, like... Somebody said, preach! Yeah. I heard yeah. her. She said, preach! <laughs> yeah. So, just because you can shave doesn't make you a man, right? Um, and uh, Noah, just, Noah just said yes, right? <laughs> I can be a man! Right? Uh, so, there's... Like, our nation is filled with boys who can shave. That's right. Right? Uh, and so, turning 18 doesn't make you a man, right? So it doesn't make you a woman either, right? So, so some of you are thinking like, I'm going to be 18 or I just turned 18. I'm going to be a man. No, you're not. You're not, right? I have uh, people that I graduated high school with. I, I'll be 31 um, in a month and a half. Um, I have people that I graduated high school with. I can, I'm thinking of one guy in particular right now. Uh, he's a child. Hey, he lives on his own, has a full-time job. Uh, he is a child, right? Uh, don't be that guy. Right, that when I was in high school, there was, I was like, "Don't be that guy." Right, don't be that guy. Right, uh, uh, and so if you are serious about being a man, uh, then come talk to Pastor Mike or me or Pastor Allen or uh, any any of the leaders in this room. Or watch the movie Mulan. Yeah, 
Yes. The, uh, that gets man. into the whole. That's from the last question, isn't it? I would also say too, uh, you know, on Sunday mornings right now, our Sunday morning small groups, uh, the guys are going through a series called "Be a Godly Man." So uh, you should come join us Good on question. Sunday morning. So Good question. Thank you, Quiz. Anybody else? Uh, <laughs> anybody? No, go for Wait, it. We got one uh, right here. We okay. got one right here. Yeah, that's yeah. a mark of a man. That's all right. That's right. That's right. Sacrifice. Yeah, that's right. He can't that's shave, right. but he can yeah, sacrifice. He can't shave, he can sacrifice. That's right. <laughs> he, he asked him, how come a razor lasts for a year? <laughs> Sorry. So, did God intend for there to be death since he made the tree of life? How many angels can you fit on the head of a needle? Or, yeah. Okay. Did God intend death? Because he created the tree of life. You know, um, we can speculate a lot of things because God is ultimately omniscient. That means God knows everything. So there's nothing that God doesn't know and there's nothing God can unknow. And so to completely understand and comprehend everything pre what was revealed in Scripture through creation, I don't know. But here's what I think the trees are there for. I I shared this Sunday. But uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and even the tree of life, but particularly the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, were put there not because they were intrinsically bad or evil. It was put there as a symbol of God's authority. So God told Adam, listen, you can rule, you subdue, you name. When you name something, you're kind of over it, right? Even though Adam didn't create all these animals, he got to name them. Kind of cool. So you have authority. When you name things, you have authority over them. And so he had all this authority, except God you, God says you don't have a complete authority. I have it, and I'm going to prove it to you. Here's a tree. This Don't eat the fruit of this tree. And that proves God's authority. And so that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was a symbol of God's authority. When Adam and Eve sinned, it wasn't something that they it was in the fruit, okay? It wasn't like it was something weird. It was... They decided to disobey God. They decided to disregard and reject God's authority and do their own thing. And that's what led to death. Because, it, because God intended for humanity to, to flourish, to survive, or to, to thrive, to be fruitful, to populate the earth with all kinds of little image bearers that reflect his glory. And it was always intended for them to live forever. Always. That was God's design. From the beginning, man chose to go against God's design. And if God's design is for you to live forever, and you decide to go your way, then that means you're going to die. This is what God said. And so whether or not God like knew and intended it, I would assume, because God knows everything, that he knew it was going to happen. Whether God designed and made it, I want to be very careful there, like to say that God designed death. I think death is something that he obviously, to a degree, made as a consequence to sin, but death literally means separation. And so when Adam and Eve sinned against God, when they decided to reject God's authority, they decided to separate from God. And so, it's a good question, Liam. It's a really good question. And I probably didn't answer it very well, but at least I went ten minutes. So there you go. <laughs> I think, you know, to, to another, another thing to that, um, you know, when God created the, the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, they were always allowed to eat from the tree of life. Yeah. 
it wasn't until they sinned that they were not allowed under the tree of life, right? So um, they were, so the, the uh, eternal life and eating from the tree of life and living forever was always available, but when they chose to go against God, that's when that option ended, right? So just, and I believe that it tasted like fresh Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah, probably. Yeah, hot and ready. Hot and ready. <laughs> Uh, the answer to that question is found in Deuteronomy twenty nine twenty nine. Yeah, and you can read it. <laughs> the secret thing. Oh uh, no! Uh, yeah, my bad. To the Lord. <laughs> so, like, we live in a pretty pornographic culture. So, how do we as Christians navigate resisting temptation and, like, you're gonna you, like on Inst- it's on Instagram. Like, how do you resist seeing it? Get off Instagram. Well, like, even if it's on the internet when you're scrolling through the internet. Flip phone. Yeah, yeah. No, I I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying, right? So uh, I I think part of that is knowing where the temptations are and don't go there, right? Uh, It's like the guy that says, like, look, every time I go into the strip club, I lust. Don't go to the strip club, right? Like, okay, that's easy, right? Uh, um, So, yeah, so I think you, you have to be aware of where the temptations are. You have to be aware of where you are tempted, right? So I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, when I was in high school, something that I realized was that there were certain kinds of music that I had to stop listening to because they they didn't, they they failed the Philippians 4-8 test, right? Whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is noble, whatever is praiseworthy, and meditate on these things, right? I, I can meditate on those things. Uh, so um, it's, being aware of where those temptations are and staying away from them when you can, right? And obviously there are going to be times where you can't, uh, where you're going to be tempted, right? We live in a fallen world. Uh, and so when that happens, Paul says in 1 Corinthians, take every thought captive, right? Uh, part, part of the way that you uh, you keep your mind free of temptation is you fill it with God's word, right? Uh, so, um, are you regularly reading, memorizing, and meditating on God's word? Uh, if you're not, you're going to struggle, right? You are going to struggle. Uh, and so uh, another way uh, that you fight against temptation, um, and this is going to sound super self-serving, but it's entirely true, is go to church, right? Uh, the Lord has given us what the Puritans called the ordinary or the regular means of grace, which are uh, the reading the Bible, praying, uh, the ordinances, so baptism, Lord's Supper, going to church, right, worshiping together, being encouraged by your brothers and sisters who are fighting this fight with you. Uh, and so um, I, I think it takes a lot of simple things, right? This isn't this isn't rocket science. Um, not that I'm a rocket scientist. It's not brain surgery. It's not hard. It's the simple things, right? Uh, Pastor Allen mentioned earlier that John Owen quote, be killing sin or sin will be killing you. Um, and so you have to crucify your flesh daily. Yeah, and and I would say too another thing is you know in that question you say how do we pursue Christ and re- resist temptation in a culture that you know that promotes it right? See a lot of times what, the, what we want is you know see the the environment does not create the sinner. The environment gives you an opportunity to do what your flesh already wants, right? So. A lot of times, so like, well, a lot of times what we think is, all right, if I change the environment, then I'll change my desires, and that's not the case, right? Because you're not going to be able to control your environment. Um, you know, 
Some of you are public schooled. Some of you are homeschooled. And those of you who are homeschooled, you know temptation is still there for homeschool kids, right? Uh, you are not immune to temptation or struggles or difficulties, right? So a lot of times the environment just provides you the opportunity to do what you're already tempted with. So what we need is to be changed, right? And that, to Ethan's point, studying the Word, spending time in prayer, allowing God to work within in you, you know, um, to, to bring that change that you're looking for. Let me add two, two things real quick. One, be encouraged that, like, this is not unique to no. our time in history, right? Like, the early church, they were living in a culture where there were temple prostitutes, right? Like, you, you were expected to go to the temple uh, with not not like the Jewish temple, right? But the, the, there was idol worship in, in their communities. And second, like I said, get off Instagram and like we chuckle and like, ah, oh, but no, seriously, right? Like, like Jesus says, it's better uh, to pluck out your eye uh, than to go to hell with two eyes, right? Better to go to heaven with one eye than hell with two. Um, and so maybe it does mean taking radical steps for you to avoid temptation. So maybe it means like, here's the thing, deleting Instagram isn't radical right? That, that's not a big deal. That, that's, in fact, that's super easy. Deleting TikTok, it's really easy. Facebook, Snapgram, whatever it is, right? Super, super easy, right? Uh, like smartphones, right? Maybe you say like, well, I've got to have my smartphone. No, you don't. You, you don't. You, you know how I know you don't have to have a smartphone? Because I didn't have a smartphone, right? Like these are new. Uh, an iPhone, iPhone came out in 2007, right? That was like, what, thir- 14 years ago, right? So, so, Maybe it does mean taking radical steps, um, but uh, they're really not that radical when you think about it, right? But radical is our brothers and sisters in Iran who uh, wake up on Sunday mornings and go worship in a secret church knowing that they could be blown up for claiming the name of Christ, right? I think we'll be okay if we have to delete some social media or uh, avoid um, some technology. I think we'll be okay. we got time for maybe a couple more. Don't want, I don't want your parents mad at us. So going off of her question, uh, I was thinking, okay, so I don't know if this is true or not, but didn't when they when Adam and Eve sinned, isn't that when um, free will kind of entered and that's when free will was a thing or was free will a thing when they were just made? Great question. You are a very smart young lady. So... God gave Adam and Eve, um, Adam and Eve were created in his image, which means they reflect him, um, different than all other creation, creations. Adam and Eve had what we would consider free will. Um, they were not born with a sin nature. Okay. Um, they were born, I would assume, neutral or good, but with the capacity to obviously choose evil, but they didn't have to. Um, see, I'm navigating some. It's like if there's an old game called Minecraft, or not? That's not not Minecraft. Mine Hunter. Mine, Mine Hunter. Mine Hunter. Yeah. Mine Sweeper. Yeah. Sweeper. And like these little, so I'm I'm snake, trying to snake. I'm trying to be very careful because like there's so many different areas I can go, and so I'm just gonna give you the short answer. After the fall, we lost free will. 
complete libertarian free will. In this sense, when, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, all people born from them have a sin nature. And that is you're born spiritually dead and you're born with a propensity to sin. That is no one is born neutral. And so we are, unless something changes, are always going to choose sin unless something intervenes in our lives. Now, even the free will argument at this sense, no one in this room has complete free will. You say, really? I do. How many, how many of you want to fly right now? All right, do it. You have free will. Fly. No. How many of you would love to walk through that wall? Okay, go do it. No, you can't because There's nothing you want to see on the other side of that yeah. wall. It's you only do according to your nature. So it, you can want to do so many things. Like you can be five foot three and want and and like a, a hundred pounds and say I want to play in the NFL. And, you know, good luck. So, so we we our free will now is conditioned to our nature. Okay, and so like you can say I want to live in a pineapple under the sea. But you can unless you have something that can help you do that. So that's just that's the quickest answer I'm going to give to you tonight. Because if not, we'd be here for a while, and half of you'd be asleep, and I would be. And maybe one day he'll have me back. Uh, you know, this is once every four or five years. So hopefully more. Yeah. <laughs> but right. thank you. Great question. Uh, I commend you to the Bible and just read it and let me know. Yeah, we got a, a gentleman right here. I'll probably regret asking this question because I might not be welcome here. Again. You are welcome, but unless it's really bad. as likely the only non-Christian here in this room, I would like to ask: How can I help Christians around me see more, see me as more than just my belief system? Great question. Yeah, yeah, that's a good question. Um, yeah, so I hope that we would see you more than just your belief system. Um, so uh, a core key tenet of the Christian faith um, is what we call the image of God, right? The Imago Dei. Uh, so what gives a you value and you value and you value and me value is we've been made in the image of God, uh, which means that we have been made in a way that is different from the rest of creation, right? And that's what we as Christians would say, that, that we've been made in the image of God. And so what that means is that every person, whether Christian or not, is deserving of full dignity. Right. So whether you are a believer or an unbeliever, whether you are black or white or whatever, whether you are tall or short, right, you are worthy of full dignity. And here, this is really one of the things that has separated Christianity down through the ages uh, is that you are worthy of full dignity, uh, whether you um, whether you are able to uh, to give dignity either. So what I would say to you is, like, how can you help? Uh, Christians see you as more than just a, your belief system, is I would say, get to know Christians, right? And I, what I would also say is see us for more than just our belief system, right? Now, I think that that's the most important thing about me, right? Uh, but uh, what can happen a lot of times, and, and I'm saying this as a Christian, is people hear that I'm a Christian, and all of a sudden, they have all kinds of preconceived notions about me, right? So growing up, uh, there was a cult called Westboro Baptist Church. Westboro Baptist was neither Baptist nor a church, right? They were a hate group. But when people found out 
that I went to Trinity Baptist Church, there were people who would say, oh, you're just like Westboro, aren't you? And I would say, no, I'm not like Westboro at all, right? I don't believe in any of that stuff. So I would say a way that you can help is get to know Christians and get to know, get to know Christians uh, well and on a deep level and have really awkward conversations, right? Have really weird conversations. And what I, one of my best friends is a guy named Brian Chase. Brian's not a believer. Uh, Brian is, uh, um, he's pretty different from me in a lot of ways. Um, but uh, when I look at Brian, uh, I see someone who's made in the image of God, right? I, I see someone who's deserving of dignity, just like everyone else. And so um, as a Christian, my worldview says that, hey, whether you're a Christian or not, you deserve value. And that, that's something that separates the Christian worldview from everything else. And one of the things that makes the Christian worldview beautiful, uh, because the Christian worldview says, uh, and that this is a quote from a guy named Al Mohler, uh, that there's more value in the face of a, of a person with Down syndrome than there is in the face of an airbrushed model on the cover of the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, right? Uh, and, and so we see value in, uh, in every person, right? All people, whether... Uh, I, this, uh, today I read in my quiet time, Psalm 139. Psalm 139, David talks about how you formed me in my mother's womb, right? Uh, and so uh, we see value in the womb all the way to the tomb, and we see value in Christians and non-Christians. And so I would say get to know us and help us get to know you, right? Something kind of funny. I uh, actually was a Christian for most of my life. So. Yeah. Hey, well, we hope that you'll come back. You are very welcome here. Yeah. Very welcome here. Thank you. Uno más. All right, go for it. So if we're, if like I'm witnessing to someone, what are some topics that I should top, talk about to them uh, versus some things that maybe I should avoid talking about them to them that because it would be offensive and unnecessary? Because I know the gospel is offensive, but what are some things that would just be not productive to talk about versus some things that would be? I think the most important thing in in witnessing or sharing your faith is it has to start from a relationship. So um, you got to meet people where they are. Uh, it's not a presentation; it's a conversation. And I think that sometimes we come across as arrogant, as if we have all the answers, or or we like, oh, I've got this thing I've got to say because I heard some preacher say it, or I've written this down. No, I think the best thing you can do is listen. Seek to understand, and then you'll get the clues. You'll get to hear the little things. Most people, um, most people kind of can sense there's something wrong with the world. There's something wrong with me. There's a crisis going on. There's a, there's something going on, and 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 that's an opportunity. To just share them why that why that is reality. Okay, our worldview tells us that we know why the world is the way it is. It's because it's broken. Why is it broken? Because people have decided to go their way rather than God's way. And so, as you're just engaging, so when it comes to topics like any to topic, it's not necessarily bad unless you're just trying to make it bad. You know, like if somebody says something about. What's going on? Like what happened today with the George, George Floyd, uh, the trial and Derek, 
Chauvin was convicted today and found guilty, and they may have this opinion that might be this way or that opinion is that way. Don't get into the weeds of what's right or wrong. Say, yeah, you know what? It just shows this world's broken. This is messed up. You know, look for ways to just show them the gospel without having to jump into the weeds of something else. Does that make sense? Because what happens is, is that we get into the narrative, and even to my friend here that, that came tonight, is that we get into this narrative of us versus them. We don't need to get in that narrative. We just need to find opportunities to listen to somebody's heart and point them to the truth of the gospel and to do it with love. And if they don't want to pl- continue talking about it, stop. Don't force it. I was taught a long time ago, I know Mike's probably shared this with you, sharing the gospel is like playing tennis. You lob the ball over. If they lob it back, you lob it back. If they stop, you stop. Don't force it. Nobody wants you just forcing stuff. And no, Forced religion is no religion at all. But just don't try to get involved with controversial things. That's why what you post on social media is so important. If you already take a side, then you're, you're with some people, you're cooked. Because the only thing they're ever going to see is, well, he said something, he's pro-whatever, or he's anti-whatever. So be very careful. Just talk about Jesus. Right? Yeah. That's what Paul did. Right? Even when Paul's talking to churches, he says, I desire to know nothing among you except for Jesus Christ and him crucified. So when you're sharing the gospel with someone, just talk about the gospel. And again, uh, last thing, um, you know, God gave you two ears and one mouth for a reason. Uh, so listen twice as much as you speak. Um, it's, hard, it's hard to reach someone when you don't know where they're at. So, um, so listen. Uh, make sure that you're listening. So, hey, guys. Uh, well, so you guys are awesome. You guys have been sitting for a while, and you guys have been awesome. And, um, and uh, Pastor Alan, Pastor Jason, thank you guys for coming as well. Um,